I want to talk today about telling people about Jesus everywhere. And I'm going to start with a little bit of a story and a picture of a pastor's meeting. Then I'm going to end with another story. Um, But let's start with this story. About once a month, on average, there are about 20 pastors um, from the Salt Lake Valley in Utah. We get together and we pray together and we worship together and we try and encourage one another. Um, I don't always make it because I've got a lot happening on Thursdays, but I try to get there. And it's so good when I do go, because first of all, I'm encouraged when we pray and worship together. Uh, Anyone who will pray and worship with me, I think that's encouraging. (laughs) I learn from other pastors. It's helpful to hear what they're experiencing and hearing from God. And I want to be a better listener all the time. I want to hear other leaders' hearts and learn from them. But the truth is, is also sometimes it's hard to go because just like right here in our own church family, we have different ways of being church. We have different views of how to interpret scripture and the times we live in. Um, It can also be hard because it's all men except for me and one other woman named Elda Arana. And she goes faithfully. And I always think if I'm not there, she's the only woman there. So that's, she's courageous. But I want to tell you a little bit about the different pastors there and the people they represent. Elda is from El Salvador, and she's going to be here tonight for Global Day of Prayer. So you can see who I'm talking about. But um, the other day in the middle of our meeting, she confided to me that right after the meeting, she was going to take off and she changed from her professional clothes to her cleaning clothes because she has she's bivocational. And when she's not doing ministry, she's cleaning houses. Elda, like many um, minority or um, Spanish speaking, excuse me, churches, pastors are by, by, is bivocational. So her husband drives his truck all week long. She does cleaning jobs and touches people who need to be touched during the week. And then on weekends, they work really hard for ministry purposes. That's a lot of work. If you think about them, pray for them. Elda is beautiful. She typically um, is the only one in these meetings representing the Spanish-speaking churches because everyone else is at work. Um, She's usually very quiet, except during prayer time. And every single time we open for prayer, she prays passionately, boldly, in Spanish. It's so wonderful. I'm glad I speak Spanish so I can be like, amen, amen, gloria a Dios, sí, amen. So I'm there saying, yes, yes, gracias a Dios. So another pastor, his name is Ibrahim. He's a Palestinian pastor who was born um, in Bethlehem. How cool is that? He just recovered from a very serious nine-month battle with uh, covid Uh, We've got a pastor who sometimes wears his collar, his black and white um, collar. We've got granola hipster pastors who show up in their chacos. And then we have longtime grumpy veterans (laughs) and everything in between. (laughs) Many denominations represented. Pastor Peter Asiyama from Ghana, who will be helping me emcee Global Day of Prayer tonight. Um, there's one pastor who likes to boast that he has the largest congregation and the best itinerant ministry. 
and he is the pastor of the rescue mission with the homeless. So we say, yeah, you win with the itinerant ministry. But he always gets one upped by another pastor who says, I really do have a mega church. I've got the most members. And those are the ones that meet at the prison. Yes, I feel a cheesy joke coming on about the pastor who had a captive audience. There you go. But bad dad jokes aside, I've also been listening uh, to a podcast, little side note, and we'll come back around, um, published by some prisoners from San Quentin Prison. It's an interesting podcast, and it's given me a whole new compassion for prisoners. And it's even affected the way I worship. So one day, I was standing in worship, and I put my hands behind my back just to stretch my arms the minute I did it, I just remembered all these prisoners. I just remembered the pastor from this meeting talking about how he had the biggest church population. I remembered the podcast from San Quentin Prison. I remembered um, the story in the Bible of Paul and Silas worshiping in chains. And I thought of Christians around the world with World Outreach International, I get notices every day to pray for the missionaries that we support. And I get every other day, it's, you know, pray for the persecuted church. And all of a sudden, I started worshiping with, with that restraint behind me. And I thought, what must it be like to worship like this? So I really love going to these pastors' meetings because when I'm there, I'm reminded that we, the church, we are prisoners. We are homeless. We are Spanish-speaking. We are refugees. We're liturgical. We're non-denominational. We're traditional and non-traditional and so forth and so on. And we, as pastors come together to pray and say, how can we best equip our people to tell other people about Jesus everywhere, everywhere? We've already mentioned today that today is a global day of prayer. It's the day we commemorate the day of Pentecost. It's the day the Holy Spirit came and descended on Jesus' disciples who were waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus had promised. Jesus had said in Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in prisons, in homeless shelters, in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is no corner of the earth where Jesus doesn't want his gospel preached. And they needed this power just like we need this power because we have this mission and it's a mission we still have today to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us wherever we're at. Wherever we're at, he's with us to the end of the age. 
Go and make disciples of all the nations. Sometimes we see nations and we have all these flags that represent the nations and we think of nation states. And that is the word that is translated there. But another word, that word for nations comes from the word ethnos, which is ethnicity, where we get our words for ethnicity, ethnomusicology, ethnography, ethnocentrism. It comes from the Greek word ethnos, right? It's a race of the same habit, a tribe, especially a foreign one, usually by implication pagan. It's a Gentile nation, a people. I use the Wikipedia definition too for ethnic group. A grouping of people who identify with each other on the basis of shared attributes that distinguish them from other groups, such as a common set of traditions, ancestry, language, history, society, culture, nation, religion, or social treatment within the residing area. If you listen to this podcast about prisoners, they definitely have their own language. They have their own practices. They have their own rules. You better know, learn those rules very fast. And they have definitely a different way they're treated. They're a people group. They're a people group. And they have different races within their people groups. It's just, it's complicated. It's crazy. But this is the church's mission, is to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, ethnos, people groups. And on the day of Pentecost, sure enough, that's what happened. I'm going to read from Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Ooh, exciting. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Isn't that amazing? When the Holy Spirit is poured out, it's poured out for every language, every people. Peter gets up and he quotes the words of Joel, the prophet from the Old Testament. And he says, this prophecy has come to pass. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. It's a message for all people. And God says, I'm going to make it clear in every language. Everyone who calls on me will be saved. No matter what your people look like, you can call on Jesus and be saved. When Jesus began his ministry, a lot of people referred to him in different ways. The Jewish people recognized him as the Messiah, and they called him the son of David. Jesus' own disciples called him Lord, Master, and Teacher. 
But when Jesus referred to himself, it's a little bit weird, you know, we tease people who, who refer to themselves in the third person, <laughs> like Sarah, she, <laughs> anyway. Anyways, when Jesus referred to himself, he called himself the son of man. It was almost a substitute for the personal pronoun I. That word in the Hebrew is the son of Adam or the son of humankind. Well over 40 times, Jesus refers to himself this way. Jesus would say things like, the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins, or the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath, or the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus identified himself as a son of humanity, a Messiah for all peoples. When we identify with Jesus, we identify with his passion for all the people. I recently found a new description. It's not new. It's as old as the Bible. But I recently noticed a description for eternal, eternal life that I really love. It's in John 17. John 17, 3. It says, this is eternal life that, you may, that they may know you this is Jesus speaking to God. So Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's life. Knowing God and knowing Jesus. Jesus came for the world as the son of humanity so that we could know the one true God and Jesus Christ. He had this gut level compassion. I want everyone to know me, because I have life for them. Matthew 9.36 says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When I imagine those prisoners, I'm like, oh, Jesus, they're harassed and helpless. Have compassion on them. And he does, and I'm glad he's given me that heart by hearing their stories. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is patient with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I think about Cheryl, who spoke last week. She's going to the ends of the earth because she identifies with this passion that Jesus has, that none should perish, that all could come to know Jesus. So when I worship with my hands behind my back, I'm remembering Jesus's heart for the prisoner. When I listen and agree with Elda when she prays in Spanish, I'm standing with her, identifying with her. When we come together tonight for the global day of prayer and we hear people from every tribe and tongue, not every, but a, a sampling. <laughs> and we listen as we pray before God, we're connecting with Jesus's heart for all people. And here's the thing, our ministry, going into all the world, all of that, it begins with prayer. Prayer connects our head to our heart so that our hands, so that we can bring action. So not only did Jesus use his words to show compassion and identify with people by calling himself the son of man, he also went his actions 
followed his heart and his prayer. And we've spoken a lot about that. We're passionate about this. Aaron spoke a couple weeks ago about how Jesus would t- touch someone from different groups or ethnos, if you will. Matthew 8 and 9, it outlined how Jesus healed a man with leprosy, someone who couldn't be touched. He listened to and commends a Roman centurion for his faith. He heals a demon-possessed man. Jesus goes to the pagan region of the Gadarenes and the Greek Decapolis. Uh, Jesus calls a tax collector to follow him. Jesus touches and is touched by a woman who's bleeding. And he commends her. Jesus touches and brings to life a dead girl. Just like Jesus, not only should our hearts be deeply moved with compassion for the people of the world, but it should move us to helpful action. This is the hard part and why we need the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's hard to like people or want to be with people who are different than we are. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It takes more time. Cultural differences and language barriers... It's, they're uncomfortable. Uh, my son today, his friend is going on a mission, so he's gone to a different church today. He's with people who have a different faith than he does. It's uncomfortable. He'd rather be with us, but he's with them because he cares about his friends and he cares about his group of friends. So ask yourself, how, comf- how uncomfortable will I be to touch someone who's different than me? There's a, there's a man who comes to Jesus in Matthew 8 and says, I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Like, are you sure you want to follow me? <laughs> I know I definitely prefer my own bed, in my own home, in my own nighttime routine. I'm quite complicated that way. (laughs) But sometimes our habits get disrupted. Sometimes we don't get to sleep. Sometimes we go and stay in someone's house that's uncomfortable. When we follow Jesus, life gets mobile and we get disrupted from our normal routines. How hard is it to eat someone else's food? It's funny that Sadie today talked about snacks at church. I brought snacks for her kids and for anybody who'd like a snack. I've got goldfish. Yeah, Lucia. Yeah, Lily. Come on up. Kelsey and or Jane and uh, Zoe, do you want to come grab these? <laughs> you can take them and pass them around. Snacks. I can't believe it. Sadie complained about not having snacks at church. You can take the basket. Take the basket and go share with anybody who wants. Oh, Lily, go help your sis- go help Lucia. <laughs> I can't believe that I plan to bring snacks today. And, and Sadie mentioned snacks. These are easy for us to eat, right? We all grew up on goldfish and cuties, unless, unless um, you were raised in Indonesia or Southeast Asia. Look at this, I brought some bubble tea today. Thank you for putting that picture up. Guess what this is? This is black tea with lots of sugar and milk and giant tapioca balls. 
at the bottom. Do you see me stirring them around? I went to Malaysia and I was told, you have to try this. I tried it like three or four years ago and I didn't like it. <laughs> Let's see if I like it today. I can't even drink it. They're giant, you know, like every culture has like green jello variation. <laughs> this is the Asian version of jello. It's like little tapioca balls and they have every flavor. They have lavender, strawberry, guava, pear, kiwi, chocolate mocha. I can't seem to get one of those little gelatin balls up, but I'm pretty sure I don't like it anymore. Lydia, would you like to finish this drink? <laughs> it's one of Lydia's favorite drinks. There are lots of boba places everywhere. But food is hard, isn't it? Food is hard. <laughs> but Jesus, prison food is really hard. I've learned a lot about prison food. I don't want to eat prison food. <laughs> Jesus ate food in the Decapolis. When they stayed for days in Samaria, they had to eat Samaritan food. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. They shared food together. Now, normally at Global Day of Prayer, we have lots of food. Tonight, we don't have as much. We don't have food just because of different challenges. But I want to ask, are you willing to eat other people's food? Are you willing to eat with people? And how comfortable are you touching and being close to people who are different than you? It could be someone who doesn't speak the same language, people with disabilities, that can be uncomfortable sometimes. People who have been wounded, people fighting disease. I know when, when my kids were little and I would need to go to primary children's for whatever reason, I'm such a wimp. I'm such a wimp, but I remember taking one of my kids into primary children's and I just see all the children and I just, I just start crying and crying. I'm like, I can't even hardly be here because my heart was just filled with compassion. And I was like, that's not, you know, I need, I, that's not necessarily what I need to be doing here. I need to pull it together. I need to be comfortable around kids who are in pain. I need to be comfortable around kids who, who just need focus or attention. Maybe it's hard to be around people of a different religion. I know I met an imam a few um, month, a year or two ago, and I, and I forgot. I went to shake his hand, and I forgot I wasn't supposed to shake his hand, and that was uncomfortable. And So I put my hands behind my back <laughs> so I wouldn't touch anybody I wasn't supposed to touch. <laughs> Maybe it's just someone who's a different age than you. Raising my kids, we work so hard to be intentional about teaching them how to be comfortable and connect with people who are different than them. Jesus wasn't just comfortable with different people. He touched them. He touched eyes. He touched lepers. Luke 18, 15 says they were even bringing infants to him that they might touch him. Sometimes going and making disciples is touching people. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more 
about how to love and touch people and be with people and how the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. We're going to read from 1 Peter 4, if you'd like to read uh, some of that ahead of time. But I want to finish today with a story about a princess, a princess from Europe. This is 1,500 years ago. So it's about the year 578 AD. There was a teenage French princess called Bertha. She lived in a small region of France, and she needed to move to Canterbury in the English kingdom of Kent to marry its uh, ruler, Ethelbert. Now, Bertha came from a very dysfunctional ruling family that didn't seem very Christian at all, based on the little history we have about her. It sounded pretty dysfunctional. Lots of different moms coming and going, stepmoms. But somehow Bertha emerged from this family chaos with a profound faith in God, which is so beautiful. God met her and she connected with God and she had life even in the midst of great challenges. Now, Catholic Christianity had not yet come to the British Isles. And Ethelbert was a pagan king, but his new bride brought with her a strong Christian faith. In fact, one of the conditions she had for their marriage was that he would allow her to practice her faith. Seeking to be supportive, Ethelbert rebuilt Bertha a small chapel, which she visited daily, and she prayed diligently for the salvation of her non-Christian husband. For 18 years she prayed, and none of her prayers were answered. She must surely have felt discouraged. But then, a few years later, after 18 years, a mission team arrived from Rome. And landing in Kent, they first preached the gospel to King Ethelbert, who finally bowed his knee before the sovereignty of Christ. Within a single year, it is estimated that more than 10,000 people followed Ethelbert's example, converting to Christianity. Canterbury became the base for the Catholic Church in England, while the indigenous Celtic Church continued to flourish out of apostolic centers in the north. So you already see different types of Christianity emerging here. But to this day, Canterbury is the spiritual home of eight, for 85 million Anglicans around the world. Bertha left no writings, and there is no record of her ever making a public speech or passing any laws. And yet, through her faithfulness and prayer, she had a huge and incredible impact on the evangelization, not just of England, but of the nations. What's more, her prayer chapel is recognized by UNESCO as the oldest place of unbroken Christian worship and witness in the English-speaking world. Bertha probably thought she was just praying for her husband, but she was, in fact, interceding for generations to come. The Lord heard the prayer she offered day after day in that chapel, and he took his time using them to do as if it says in Ephesians 3, immeasurably more than she could ask or imagine. Isn't that amazing? When we pray, 
When we abide in Christ, we have no idea the impact we might be having. And sometimes we don't see it. I just want to invite you all to come tonight. Come to the Global Day of Prayer. Please come to see people who are different than you gathering together to pray for the nations. Come to pray, come to listen. Come to ask the Lord to do more than we can ask or imagine so that people everywhere can have eternal life in Jesus. Amen? Okay. Let's, would you all stand? Let's just pray and we'll finish. Um, did Kathy, did you have anything? At the, would you like to play anything at the end? Whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> um, hold on a minute. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the day of Pentecost. We thank you for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you dwell in us so that we can pray and have your heart for people. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes in us, empowers us to, to touch others, to see others, to eat with others, to be with others. Thank you that you can do more than we can imagine or ask for. And thank you that we get to partner with you, that we get to um, work with you, that we get to be with you as you work in people's lives. Empower us today to go and tell people everywhere about Jesus and eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.